Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I am your host, Walt, and I am joined from across the state with by my co-host, Chase the Turkey Slayer himself. Dude, how are you? Are you getting excited for turkey season as I am? Yeah, man. As, as the days go on, uh, it seems like turkey season's getting closer and closer, so... I'm fixing to start doing some uh, preseason scouting, been breaking them calls out and knocking the dust off and ready to get after it, man. Yeah, man. I, you know, my neighbor, I don't know if I said this to people or not, but he's a diehard turkey caller, uh, hunter, not just a caller. Uh, I'm a diehard turkey caller because that's all I do. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he works for uh, or with Osceola Game Calls, and he gave me a couple diaphragm calls to try, and I've I've since bought a couple more. I have finally found a diaphragm that I can run in my mouth. I, evidently, I am not alone in that uh, diaphragms kind of can be hit or miss for the structure of your roof, like the roof of your mouth. And uh, these calls kind of sound like a dying, dying hen, so that's an improvement for me. <laughs> and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they would sound like like a real hen in anybody else's uh, in anybody else's mouth. But uh, yeah, I, it's got me excited, and I'm. I'm reading a book by called The Tenth Legion by Tom Kelly, and it's just, man, is that a good read. And it's only like 10 bucks on Kindle. So anybody who has ever attempted to hunt turkeys, you need to read that book. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I'll have to uh, check it out myself. Uh, you've given it a yeah. pretty good review so far. So, Oh, man. I'm I'm on a I'm on a tear this year, dude. I, I'm reading deer hunting tactic books, turkey hunting tactic books. 2020, so help me God, is gonna look like your your 2019 fall did. Just all year long, I'm gonna grind, and there's just gonna be a 
a wake of, 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 of deer heads and turkey fans behind me. And people are going to be like, wow, Chase went that direction. They won't know it's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope you do, man. Get us some content. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that means 400 inches. Dude, if you and I both had a chase year, there would be no mature whitetails left in the state of Florida. 800 <laughs> inches of, of Florida whitetail shot between the two of us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We would... Uh, well, <laughs> we'd have to. You're up next we'd year. We'd have to beat people off of us. <laughs> you're up, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, but yeah, man, we're getting close here in Florida. Uh, youth season starts in what, like, two weeks? Yeah, I think it depends on where you're at. Uh, in South Florida, right. uh, it does, I believe, and then normally about a week or so after that, it'll kick off uh, in the zone we're at. So, yeah, man, getting close, getting close. So. And then it'll be over before we know it. So that that little month and a week or whatever season that we get. So, um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully we can get you on your first bird this year. That's the goal. Man, listen, here's the deal. We're we're gonna go hard this year. Last year I didn't have a whole lot of time during turkey season. I want to hunt. I want to carve out a couple weekends to hunt with you. And I think if we go ahead and let's just let's just throw it out there that both you and I tag out. I have been networking hard to get us some private land in either Alabama or Georgia. So that that's not entirely out of the question. My my thinking is let's go ahead and hammer our two birds each here in the state of Florida. Make sure we, you know, do our due diligence here. And then if that works out, I say we drive up to one of those two states and see if we can't uh, continue to notch uh, put notches on our belt. Yeah, man, put a put a old uh, mark on the old turkey shotgun. That's it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh man! Well, tonight we had an awesome episode. Um, I say that every week. I, I we've never recorded an episode. I haven't been thrilled or amped post post recording. But it's it, we're kicking off turkey season. In case you haven't noticed from this intro, we've been talking a lot about turkey. It's officially the spring. The trees here are budding. I, I, if you live up north and it's still kind of dreary, I apologize. But it's coming. I promise it's coming. So we're going to start kicking off our turkey to- uh, content. And we had a return guest, Locke Wheeler, who was on not too long ago. What, maybe three weeks ago? Yeah. 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 It was only a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he, he he dropped some incredible information on, on, on whitetail uh, hunting the Mississippi River Valley of uh, Mississippi and Louisiana. And... You know, his his passion really is for turkeys. Uh, he's got his own podcast called Strutcast. And, uh, you know, it really ble- it really comes through in this episode, the passion that he has for the outdoors, but especially for chasing turkeys. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, he's And he's also, like I said, he, he's a wealth of knowledge for turkeys. Uh, he, for he sure. travels <laughs> the country each uh, turkey season in, in search of uh, whatever turkey he, he may be able to get on. So... Uh, it was good to have him on the show and good to get his take on uh, what turkey hunting is and what new turkey hunters may want to consider when they're getting into the sport. For sure. You know, he he had some absolute knowledge bombs. I'm just going to call it what it was. I feel like he dropped some hot takes that everybody, whether you're a seasoned veteran like yourself, Chase, um, or you, you just you amble throughout the woods, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. I felt like I came away – uh, a little wiser and a little more prepared for the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. It's always if you're new or seasoned hunter, it's always good to kind of get back to the roots of whatever you're doing, anyways. So I definitely took away some information from this podcast as well. 
Absolutely. So I think without further ado, let's let's send people. Oh, but actually, so the cool thing is at the end of this episode, listen all the way through to the end because he's actually doing a giveaway with Scree Gear. Um, actually, it's far larger than that. They're giving away turkey calls from T3. Uh, they're giving away a guided turkey hunt through Pro Outfitters. And they're giving away a $700 spring turkey package of camo. And all you have to do is click the link in the, in the show notes below. It, it's free. Just sign up and put your email in there. Visit a couple of Facebook pages for additional entries. Um, and he's going to film it and call for you. So this is an awesome, if you've ever wanted to look like Michael Waddell or somebody and have your own episode, this is kind of your giveaway. And, and we don't have a whole lot of those, uh, on a weekly basis. So I, I was thrilled that he put that out there for everybody. Yeah, man, no doubt. I, I went in and filled out one myself while he was talking about it. Did actually. you? Of course. <laughs> <I did too>. <laughs> <laughs> of course I did. And then I got all the other little entries as well in there. So I'm good to go, but I would encourage anybody out there who's wanting to where, wherever you're out and out, out in the country, if you want to go out and experience uh, a state like Nebraska, where you got opportunity at, I believe, Rio's, Miriam's, and maybe a little bit of Eastern bird out there is to go on uh, Scree's website. I believe you can just go straight to Scree's website, and they have something that pops up and talks about their uh, giveaway. So, uh, don't. Uh, this is a great opportunity. So get after it. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and send them to the episode. But before we do, we have to thank the people that make this episode possible. First, that's tethered. Everybody knows that we are diehard tethered uh, saddle hunters, that is. And they've got some awesome products coming out this year. So make sure you give them some love, tetherednation.com, and let them know that we sent you. Right. And we also, we can't forget about our uh, patrons of the show. Uh, you guys make this, help make this show possible. Uh, don't forget that we're doing a, a quarterly giveaway. And that item for this giveaway is a Trophy Ridge React 5 site. Uh, it's a great site. I believe it's a, around $150 value. So if you're looking into being a patron of the show, you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash Chasing Tales Outdoors. Um, there's three tiers that you can sign up for. I believe there's a two, a five, and a $10 tier. Uh, we'd love to have you as a patron of the show. And uh, you could also join our uh, Marco Polo group where we interact with our patrons there. Absolutely. And we and don't forget that decals and hats are free to all patrons. We just sent out 17 new hats to people, 33 different stickers. So if that's something that interests you and you want to support the show, jump on, guys. We'd love to have you. But I think with that, let's send them on to the show. And uh, you and me, it's time to uh, get back to the, the, the aerial scouting and the turkey calling and everything we need to do on our end. All right. Here's Lock Wheeler. All right, well, joining us from the fine state of Louisiana, we have got a return guest, one that uh, is back by popular demand, the demand of the co-host. We, we let him know he had to return after we recorded with him the last time. Locke Wheeler, dude, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you guys? Any better, I couldn't stand it. Chase, uh, Ch- Chase is over there just, you know, polishing his championship rings from the past deer season, you know, getting ready for turkey season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, had a good had a good year, so no complaints for me. No <laughs> That's complaints it. for me. Hopefully the turkey season will <laughs> follow suit. So hopefully so. Well, I Although think I'm last not going to be able to hunt opening weekend. So Really? Or the opening week. Why yeah, is that? Yeah, spring break. It's the kids' oh, spring break. So okay. But it, I mean, that doesn't. Sometimes, sometimes it's better not to hunt opening weekend. It seems like so. 
Yeah. Yeah. See, um, what I got going on is opening week in Mississippi. Well, it's not really opening week. It's the youth week. Is my kids' spring break, so I have an excuse and a reason to hunt the entire <laughs> nice. week because my kids want to hunt, or at least yeah, my oldest yeah. son does. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's money. Good deal, man. Well, today marks the transition for us. We're gonna start to shift our our to- our conversation topics away from deer hunting. And uh, we're not going to totally abandon deer hunting, but we are going to start to incorporate turkey hunting because it is, as we're recording this, almost the end of February. And that means that turkey season for the majority of the South will be kicking in here shortly. I understand some of the guys up in PA, God bless their souls, they got to wait until mid-May <laughs> to start their deer se- uh, their turkey season, which just sounds terrible. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Locke, you do a lot of traveling if you had to live in PA, then in that case, wouldn't you? Uh, dude, if I had to live in PA, I would move back down here, like at the end of February, <laughs> until it got time to go back to the home season. I just couldn't do it, man. Well, yeah, I think a lot of them guys travel. They go to Ohio and some of those yeah. other states to chase after birds before that kicks in. Well, they kind of have to For with sure. the way their seasons work out. They get like Saturdays only to hunt turkeys or something crazy like that, and then. It's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. It's actually kind of crazy how popular and how many names in the turkey hunt industry have have come out of that area, considering the fact that they don't have nearly the seasons that we have in the South. You would think that, you know, the areas with a, a broader season and all that right. would produce more people. But Pennsylvania has produced a whole lot of, of, of brands and, and personalities and stuff over the years in turkey hunting and because they have really good turkey hunting, but you know, not nearly, I mean, you come down here, like in Mississippi, we start hunting March the 8th and, and hunt for two straight months. Right. You know, yeah, so that's crazy. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll kind of touch on that because the purpose of this podcast is to kick off turkey season. I didn't realize that turkey hunting was as big a thing up North and in the Midwest as it kind of is. I mean, I, to me growing up, I always thought of turkey hunting as kind of a, a southern ordeal but that's just not the case it sounds like yeah well i you know i've become more um informed and acclimated to that as well you know as i've gotten to be an adult as a kid i just you know and a young man i didn't really know the difference either i hunted turkeys and we hunt a lot where i'm from turkey hunting is a big thing and it and it always was my entire childhood you know and everything and I always kind of thought it was a southern thing too, but I guess that's just more of uh, you know, you know, regional uh, influence, and not really the the world is much more connected than it was back then. But sure. yeah, as as I've gotten older and gotten more involved in the turkey hunting industry, and realized that turkey hunting is very big in a lot of places. Now they don't do it as I guess it's it's even kind of like deer hunting. We have much longer seasons. We get a lot more tags and 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 much more um, opportunities opportunity in the south but uh, that doesn't really change the fact that there's some there's some hardcore hunters in other parts of the country they don't get to hunt as much and they don't they can't kill as many but they hunt pretty hard hmm that's interesting what you mentioned the brands that came out of out of pennsylvania can you think of any of those that that come to mind that other people may not realize came out of there um matt morette is one of the first ones that comes to mind um he's if you uh if you kind of follow along with with much turkey hunting media he was one of the main figureheads in the uh hunter specialties 
and I think now he's with Mossy Oak and Avian X, but um, he's, you know, won some calling stuff, and he's been real involved in turkey hunting uh, videos for a long time. And I I might be wrong about this, and somebody's probably going to contact you and be like, that guy I don't know what he's talking about, but I think Paul Butsky is from Pennsylvania. If he's not, he's from, like, New York, or he's from that area, of, uh, you know, the, the Northeast. Yeah, I think he's from um, New York. And some of these other names are, are slipping me, but there, there's 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 quite a few that come from the north. The northeast has a very popular uh, base for for turkey hunting, and some good turkey hunting, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the only complaint I've ever heard about the turkey hunting is the fact you can't hunt on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I mean... I've actually I've never hunted up there. I'm hoping to do it real soon. I've got a buddy that uh, you'll see on some of my media with deer hunting uh his name is geo and he he hunts with me with scree and stuff and he deer hunts a lot and he's not really gotten a lot into turkey hunting himself but he lives up there and uh, another friend of mine named todd who's a cameraman for quite a few different people and uh so i got some i got some um connections i'm working trying to find me some turkey hunting up there i haven't been able to go up there yet it's one of the only areas of the country i haven't turkey hunted Nice. Yeah. We we got a couple of buddies up there. They uh, run the Whitetail Distraction Podcast, Austin and Charles, and uh, they're big time into turkey hunting too. So maybe we can uh, introduce you to them. They're always looking for somebody uh, to connect with and take out. So yeah, and, and yeah, they're hardcore. I'm starting to get more and more interested in this. I've never been one that got too into this whole Grand Slam thing. Like as a as a function like i want to hunt all the different subspecies of turkeys but i don't really care if if somebody categorizes my success in a certain way if that makes any sense but what i am really interested in is there's this kind of this new thing where i don't i can't remember exactly what they call it the people that are trying to like accomplish the goal of killing a turkey in every state you know and and i think that nowadays i just want to kill one uh, in florida (laughs) (laughs) the lines are so blurred man it's difficult and and i'm chase i know that you know this as well as anybody because you and i've talked about some of the property that you hunt at home it's hard to determine what's a freaking osceola you know (laughs) right unless you get really deep south you don't know for sure and that can be said for everything you go out west i mean I, I i went out to south dakota last year and um hunted on an indian reservation i'm talking about deep in south dakota and the second my first tag was 100 percent of merriam no doubt very white snow tipped you know exactly what you expect the next turkey i killed i you know i mean he looked like a rio like i know he's a merriam but i mean very caramel colors you know a lot of bronze and reddish caramel and kind of white mixed in and you know so it's we talk about the grand slam and these different subspecies and you hunt in the middle of the country from the deep south all the way up the mississippi river basin and you go through hybrid areas you you know you go eastern and then you get into rios and then hybrid rios easterns and then when you get up into nebraska and stuff you you can kill a turkey that's got merriam rio and eastern all in you know bloodlines all in one turkey i mean it's right and it's getting that way with the reintroduction that uh the different organizations are doing the lines are getting really blurred so for me i'm more about the regional than i am about trying to perfectly identify what subspecies of turkey i killed i just like to hunt different different land different topographies and you know inevitably like with anything else 
the animals evolve to their habitat. So it's a different hunt. I'm not really worried about whether the NWTF classifies my turkey as a certain sub- subspecies. I just want to be able to say, hey, you know, right. I don't care if it was a, a hybrid or not. I killed it, you know, in the in in this this kind of terrain and this kind of hunt. Right. Yeah. About the only bird really that doesn't get much uh, intermingled is when we spoke to Jay Scott. Yeah. Uh, was the Gould's turkey. Right. Because of just how they are geographically and or whatnot. The mountain but, range separates that's, them that's, from everything else. Yeah. 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 Well, so I'm going to save you, Locke. For all the people who right now as they're listening to this uh, are, are writing hate mail to Locke, Paul Butsky is not from Pennsylvania. We're going to go ahead and acknowledge that. However, he is from, from New, York. New York. Okay. So I, I looked, I I looked that up to save you some wrong. hate mail. <laughs> if, that's any, if it's any solace, I was pretty sure halfway through my statement I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, he said New York in there. So. Hey, in, full, in, in, in fairness of like full disclosure, I own it. Okay. That's it. That's it. Uh, you you can't strike a man down for being honest about his mistakes. I mean, that's just no, the I, what it is. I owned it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, on your last episode that you were here, you talked about how you lived. I can't remember what town it was, but I think that the street name was Legends Lane because basically everybody famous from the '90s uh, grew up there. From you know, I, I think the only person that was missing was Bill Dance. Um, <laughs> but uh, g- give give it time. I'm sure he's gonna move in. But uh, who who were your tur- your turkey hunting uh, mentors or influencers? Because like you mentioned, the world was a little more uh, disconnected back then. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned you know, we're talking about deer hunting. I grew up in a, a, a little town called Natchez, Mississippi, in southwest Mississippi, and and it's it's kind of it's Adams County, and it's it's kind of where uh mossy oak and primos it's one of the areas where they really kind of got a foothold and and uh ronnie cush strickland is from that town and and so there was a lot of the truth about hunting and the mossy oak stuff really kind of got kicked off right there in my in my neighborhood and and i watched a lot of that evolve and those guys are humongous turkey hunters all over the state and, and all over the country so um watching them but as far as personally you know i I was probably more influenced by guys like that from a deer hunting perspective because, you know, their deer hunting um, videos and stuff like that. And and from turkey hunting, you know, I did follow along and I watched, but, you know, my influences as a turkey hunter were really more, a lot of it was, was very personal. I just, it, there was some people that I hunted with that were not um, personalities in the hunting industry, just older men from our hunting camp and stuff there wasn't a lot of turkey hunters so when you met one um there was a lot to learn from very few people in my life and so uh, a few people like that and then you know i i I grew up hunting on a very large uh lease but there were very few turkey hunters and my dad didn't turkey hunt but as a kid um i took a liking to it my dad would take me out and let me roam through the woods yakking on a call trying to you know scare every turkey in the country off and i was fortunate enough that i hunted in a place where i could go and spook you know four or five turkeys before the sun really got up and there were still more turkeys around to hunt because they were everywhere and nobody really hunted them much so i learned kind of on my own i didn't have a lot of mentors um you know a few people here and there uh that that hunted there that you know kind of took me under their wing a little bit but but mostly i kind of learned on my own to be honest and uh that's kind of how it started and then you know once i had already just developed an extreme 
you know, passion for it, I started, you know, kind of picking up on, I guess the industry kind of matured some too. And I started watching more videos and learning more that way. But, um, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of a personal venture for me. That's awesome, man. I, I grew up in an area that just didn't have turkeys. Um, at least, at least where I had access to, I mean, I mean, I'm sure somebody's listening to this right now. They're going to bash me over the head for saying Southeast Georgia doesn't have turkeys. There's plenty of turkeys there, but the areas I had access to just, just didn't have turkeys. In fact, the, uh, the, the piece of one piece of property I grew up on, it was, you know, close to a thousand acres. Uh, it was a, uh, NWTF Turkey wildlife refuge because there were so few out there. There were a couple out there, but they had some, uh, agreement with NWTF that this was going to be a, a preservation area for turkeys. And they worked with us to plant longleaf pines and stuff like that. And right about the time I moved off and came down here to Tallahassee, we started seeing turkeys on a pretty routine basis down there. And it was kind of cool. But, you know, I, my exposure to turkeys was incredibly limited until I got here. And, um, you know, now I'm just ambling around kind of myself doing the same thing. So, well, it's, it's, I, you know, as much as I love deer hunting and, you know, the last episode that, that I did with you guys, we talked in depth a lot about my background and what I do these days and all that. I, I still have to answer the when, when people ask me if I could only hunt one thing, what would it be? And to this day, it's still turkeys. I just, I, I developed a, an itch for it at a young age and I just, I don't know if anything will ever surpass it. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like it's something that infects the soul. Um, I've been reading, uh, Tom Kelly's book, uh, the 10th Legion for all the people who haven't listened or, or haven't, aren't familiar with it. And there's a surprising amount of people who aren't, um, it's a phenomenal read. It's only about a hundred pages, but I almost encourage people not to read it until they've chased turkeys a little bit because, he says things in there that aren't going to make sense to you because you haven't experienced certain things. He describes, you know, like how fickle a turkey can be where one day he just, he's going to trample you as he's coming in and the next day he's wary as can be. And we're talking about a bird with the brain the size of a pea. But, you know, he, he has this way of writing that just if you have any, just the, 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 the smallest bit of turkey hunting experience, it just, it, it makes it such a, a, a vivid uh, memory for you. Yeah. Yep, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a different kind of challenge that it, it, it tests you in a different way. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that all of us that are serious deer hunters, we exert a lot of energy and, and effort into our planning and our preparation and how we hunt and why we hunt the way we hunt. We, we do a lot and, you know, you spend an entire season, um, making decisions on, on how you're going to hunt and all that, but it still just doesn't really compare to the strategy and the in the moment decision-making that happens on a turkey hunt. If you're hunting the way that we're talking about, I mean, I I understand that there, there are some people who, you know, scout out their turkeys and they go sit in an area that they expect turkeys to show up, but I'm not really referring to that style of hunting. I'm I'm referring more to the running gun, chase them, call them to you kind of hunt. Sure. That's, it's uh, I tell people like I guess my go-to thing that I say about that all the time is a turkey hunt defines the word hunt better than anything else because it is a strategy. It is a it is a almost like a war game mm-hmm. where you are you know using the land and the time of the day, the weather. You're using everything, not just in a 
how am I going to sit and wait, but how am I going to maneuver and position myself to be advantageous to this, to this situation where I can get, because, you know, the most willing turkey and anybody that's turkey hunted long enough will know exactly what I'm talking about. The most willing turkey can hang up on the smallest thing, you know, a turkey that really wants to come, you know, won't cross a fence that he crosses every day on a normal feeding pattern, but he won't cross it when you're calling to him. <laughs> He'll just stand there and gobble and gobble and gobble and gobble. You know, and elevation changes can create that same dynamic. And all of those things get thrown into the mix, and it just creates this this game that you play. Every morning that you go out and, and you try to find a turkey and you try to figure out how to kill him, um, it creates this game that, to me, is just intoxicating. Why? Okay, so do you do you credit the bird for being intelligent, or do you uh, credit the bird for being so stupid that it can't make up its mind? I mean, like what? It seems like there's two two trains of thought yeah. that you're, you're you're that you know people find themselves in. I'm curious where you land. I I consider the turkey to be an extremely wary but stupid animal. Um, <laughs> I don't I, I don't give a whole lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I do think that that you know there are times where you're hunting maybe in a public area or something where a turkey's been under pressure and he's he's learned a thing or two. So I'm sure. not discounting that that happens. But generally speaking, one of the hardest things about hunting a turkey on any given day is he don't know what he's going to do. So how the hell are you supposed to figure out what he's going to do? <laughs> he's just walking around pecking and strutting and gobbling and breeding and whatever comes to his mind. I mean, you know, if you watch turkeys in the wild, they're just like chickens. You know, they're just... And, and like you said, they have a very small brain, and I think that they're just, they're extremely wary, and they have extremely good eyesight and hearing and, and those kind sure. of senses that, that, that you know, complement their natural wariness. But overall, a turkey's not real smart, and I, one of the most challenging things is, is kind of exactly what you said. It, it's hard to figure them out because I don't necessarily know that they really know what they're doing on any given day or any given moment and you're trying to figure out you know as a human we're strategic you know we're strategically trying to plot something out against something that is really just random and, and that that randomness creates a creates a a, a difficult task at times <laughs> well here's a here's a good here's a good example of that last <laughs> I year i was about to send this to you per- perfect example of a turkey so i drive into this area that uh, I turkey hunt, and I was actually going out to scout for Walt because Walt was going to come down and uh, hunt for the day. And I'm like, okay, well, and I'd only killed one bird at this point. I said, I'm just going to go to this area, look for some, like, strut marks, tracks, all that, where I know where they generally strut at. And I make this bend. It was a hard bend in the road. I'm making the bend, and there's a bird right there in the road, not really in his normal strut zone, but he was right there in the road. So he kind of trots off and starts <laughs> going down the road. So I'm in my normal clothes. I'm wearing, but put this in your mind. I'm wearing a black t-shirt and I've got a chasing tails hat on, which is gray on top (laughs) with a little bit of light blue. So I get out, I grab a mouth call. I had my shotgun with me, grab my shotgun. I'm like, I'm just going to follow this bird just to see what it does. So I just slowly walk down the road, kind of make it kind of zigzagged a little bit. And I finally get on a straightaway and I look at the turkey. He's probably about 70 yards away and he's just going away from me. So I squat, I just squat down in the road, like just kind of like a a catcher would be behind home plate, squat down in the road, the bird, I don't make a noise. The bird looks back one last time, sees me in the road 
And then all of a sudden he starts running. Well, I'm thinking that he's running away. And then all of a sudden I realize he's running straight at me. Like he is on a beeline straight at me. And I, I was like, what is this bird doing? I was like, he's run, I was like, he's on a full sprint right at me. And his head, you know how their head will turn real white when they're getting fired up? I mean, it's turning real white. He's coming straight at me. And I ended up shooting that bird like at five yards with my shotgun. Sit there. I got my gun up, shot the bird, killed him. And I, the only thing I can think of is he thought I was a turkey in the road because I had a black shirt on, gray hat, um, looked just like a turkey to him, but I mean, not really. I mean, I'm 190 <laughs> pounds. I mean, so he must have thought, I mean, he was probably like, who is this encroaching on my territory? And he was coming over to whip my butt. He thought um, you were a strutter in the road. Yeah. yeah. That's so, I mean, they'll do crazy stuff. I mean, well, you never know what will happen. How, how they're not that smart. I mean, you look, yeah. at, you look at how all these people, you know, it's gotten real popular, the, 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 the reaping technique where they take the fan. Yeah, and they crawl through a field holding a fan. Which, by the way, if you've never done it, it's crazy. Like it is right. insane. It's, it's basically what you just experienced, just more intentional than what you did. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, you got you got a couple of birds. This happens in the Midwest more than anything. I actually did it in Alabama last year, believe it or not, in a pine ticket, and it worked. I missed the turkey, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but um, you got a turkey that's in a field. And they're all by themselves. They're not with hens. And you've got these decoys nowadays that that are so realistic. And you're calling, and the turkeys are answering. They're responding. They're interacting with you, and they just will not come. And then a 200-pound man holding a little turkey fan walks out in the field, and they just break and run straight, just try to run over you. <laughs> it's like they're not that smart. They're right. just, you know, yeah. it's, they're just really wary. And I think that. The number one thing that I think is most people that have turkey hunted for a long time, they know this, but, and I say this honestly because I've, I've fallen victim to it myself. The thing that we forget, I think more than anything, is we forget the true nature of a turkey. You know, a, the true nature of a turkey is to gobble and strut to attract the hens to him. Right. That's, right. that's how God made him. He's a bird, just like every other bird. They, you know, your your males are always bigger and more colorful, and, 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 it, and it attracts the females. It's an attraction thing. So what we're doing as turkey hunters in terms of calling to turkeys is, is actually in contrast to the way God made them. So when we're calling to a turkey, we're, we're having to defeat the odds of when he hears a hen, well, his his – natural instinct is to stand his ground and 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 put on a show and have that hen come to him right you know and so it's very obvious when you look at this reaping and fanning technique is you take the audio and the calling you take it out of it and you take that natural instinct away from them and it and it shows their ignorance it shows how how not very smart they are you can't get away with that with a deer imagine if you picked up a 3d target and went walking across the field with it I mean, you wouldn't get anywhere near a deer because a deer can, a deer can look at you and figure out that's not right. You know, you might get one in a hundred. There's probably somebody that'll hear this and go, Oh, that's bull crap. One time I was walking across the fit, you know, and a deer kind of charged at me. I'm sure there's a deer somewhere that's crazy enough and, and hiked up up. on the rut enough to to make, but generally speaking, a deer, a deer has a better cognitive ability to analyze a situation than a turkey does. So 
it to me that's the clearest explanation that we can give on this podcast when you call to a turkey you're playing to his instincts to 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 attract you to him not the other way around right and that's right. what makes it so complicated and then do you know to, to to provide further proof of that we introduced this visual thing and it just shows a turkey's just not that smart i mean it just you you take away that god-given instinct to stand it to ground and attract everything to come to him and for him to control the harem if you take that instinct away from him he becomes a little bit itsy you know and a little bit um kind of poor in his cognitive thought sure right well well think about all the things they gobble to right i mean i've had them gobble to a hawk a gun blast a car horn going off somebody shutting a door somebody whistling i mean they gobble to all kinds of different noises and you know that's not a noise that a hen makes. I mean, it's always been strange to me how they, whatever it is they call shot gobble or whatnot. It's like, man, I, that bird gobbled literally to everything that made like a high-pitched noise that morning. Or it, deep, it loud noise. Yeah, I mean, it, I had turkeys. We had wild turkeys in the backyard. Well, they weren't wild turkeys, but we had turkeys in the backyard that weren't just, you know, your farm, you know, your farm-style turkey. You know, they, they, they looked and acted similar to wild turkeys. Dude, we used to go out there with a baseball bat, and we'd be playing baseball. And that aluminum baseball bat would go ping when you when you struck the baseball, and those birds would go 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 every time. We'd be out there playing for hours, and them stupid birds would just sit there and gobble every freaking time. And you just kind of chuckled because you recognize that that's the kind of stupidity that you're getting beat by in the springtime, you know, every year. <laughs> but uh, you know, yep. it's it, it's almost like they're a walking oxymoron, you know. so let's let's continue to kind of set the stage for turkey hunting because you know a lot of people hunt with decoys um i want to kind of dig into your opinion on that in a minute you you touched on how the hens come to the to the turkey their eyesight and their hearing are their two biggest advantages but it seems like the eyesight is keen on movement that somewhere it shouldn't be not necessarily movement being, you know, seeing and being able to decipher what they're looking at. Because, you know, Chase talks about how he crouches down in the middle of the road and shoots shoots a bird, whereas my first experience with a turkey was at 20 yards, and I barely lifted my head a little bit. I didn't see him walk out in front of me. I lifted my head a little bit to look at some wood ducks above me, and he caught that and took off running. I mean, like, conclusively, I know that's not what it's supposed to be, and took off running. Do you agree that they're they're yeah. probably more motion based? That not that's not supposed yeah, to be their kind of. I've always been told that um, a turkey doesn't see in in I guess the best way to say it, the turkey doesn't see in three D. They see a flat image. Okay. And I don't know how that plays to the movement part of things, but a turkey is unequivocally always watching for movement. You know, it's interesting in the way that you put it that, you know, they're looking for movement off of what it should be. Um, but with that being said, I've had turkeys that were committed in an open area to a decoy. And I've actually had, you know, movement from the decoy freeze a turkey. So I, I don't really don't know. I mean, I've had I've had that both ways. I've actually had turkeys where the wind was moving the decoys and I felt like it helped, you know, it just kind of, they broke and committed because of what I felt like was realism. But again, I think it kind of goes back to the random nature of a turkey. It's, it, you know, it's, 
they are always looking for movement and they can see really well. And I, just like you, have been on many, many hunts where the very slightest amount of movement at the wrong time ends a hunt. So there's no doubt that they're 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 relying on on that that sight ability more than anything. And I, I I don't know I don't know how strong of opinion I have one way or the other about exactly how they use it. I just I think that um they're just real finicky. And on one day you can get away with a whole lot. And on other days you can't, and I, I don't, I don't know that I've really figured out, you know, what all that means. That it's just, you just gotta be still, you know, <laughs> I have found that I have found that whether it's the decoy or any other variable, the best thing that can happen is for nothing to happen. Once a Turkey commits, <laughs> I just want everything to stay chalk because I have learned more than anything that, that, a bird flying through or a squirrel hitting the ground and running over to the next tree or anything that happens suddenly while a turkey's committed to coming into to gun range, whether that be, uh, well, let me, let me take that back. This, this, what I'm saying applies more to a decoy setup. When a turkey locks in on a decoy, um, I have found that there are just a multitude of things and some of them that that can be completely natural in terms of where you're at and and whatnot uh that can mess him up now a turkey that's not coming to a decoy tends to be uh more settled it's almost like they're they're not locked in on something and they're not waiting on that to fall apart so to speak it's almost like when they see a decoy they may be convinced enough that it's real but they're still skeptical until they get to a point where they're just there, you know, I mean, I've, there is a point where a turkey that's in love enough will literally stand there with a decoy and let you stand up and shooting, you know, cause he's just so locked in on the decoy, but there's a period of time where just about anything can book. Him. And that's, you know, speaking to the decoy thing, that's, I have found that a turkey that's coming to a call is a, is a lot different. He approaches the situation a lot different. He's analyzing more than he's, um, He's, it's almost like with a decoy, he's on the decoy, he's coming to the decoy, but he's looking for a reason for this to not be real. When he's coming to a call, he's, he's a lot more tolerant of things because he's analyzing the world differently, I guess. Um, so therein lies kind of the strategic advantage of that. Decoys can be very helpful, and I, use, I do it both ways. Um, for me, I hunt with a camera most of the time, and decoys provide a lot for the camera. So when you watch a lot of my media, you will see decoys on most every hunt, and that's because I'm trying to get the turkey in the open where we can get him on camera. So I want him to come to a decoy. It provides a point of aim for the camera. Um, but if I'm not hunting, um, if I'm in a wide open where that's not such a big deal, or you know I'm just I'm hunting and I'm not worried about it, a lot of times I don't use decoys because it gives the turkey a lot more freedom to approach at his own pace without the distraction of, you know, kind of being caught off guard by something unnatural at, at the wrong time. He just, you know, I don't know. They just seem to be more willing to get in closer. It may not always be right in front of your gun barrel. You may have to let him get to a certain position where you can make a movement and all that kind of stuff. Cause you, you, you're not pointed at the decoys, but, um, they're, you know, they, they are a, 
when they get to that point, they're a curious animal and they're going to meander around you looking for that call. So, yeah, I've had more luck with decoys on the fly down, like with the birds coming off the roost. Uh, and then I've killed way, way more birds with no decoys, <laughs> just, just, just on the calling. My opinion of the fly down thing is I, I believe, and I mean, I, I, I say, I believe it. I, I, I more than believe it because I've experienced it enough that I've convinced myself that I kind of got this analyzed, right? Uh, a, a more mature turkey, a more experienced turkey, they get more and more and more to the point where they just about have to see the hens before they fly down to them. Um, now, as you get later in the season and there's more hens that's been bred, I guess he knows that they're not coming, so he flies down on his own. But, you know, throughout early in the season and middle of the season where he's still, he's still getting in with a harem, there's still a lot of hens around, if you're sitting out there calling to him at a distance and he can't see you, then he he'll hang up a lot more because they just get smart to that and they figure that I, I guess figure it out or it just becomes instinctual. I can't tell you how many times I've been set up close enough that I thought that I was in a really good situation. Even gotten in that situation where it got daylight and the hens were behind me and the gobbler was in front of me and I thought, well, this is a done deal, you know. And then right. the next thing I know, here comes the hens running past me, going straight to the, the tom, and they run right over there to him, and he pitches right down to them, and and that's and it's over for the morning, you know. Um, so I, I think that the decoys work. I, I've I've actually had a lot of luck that myself. If I can get in there in the dark and I can get a decoy in a situation where he's up on a limb gobbling, and he can see that decoy, he'll pitch down to it a lot because. Um, you know, that's just what he's looking to do. That's just confirmation that he, he, he starts gobbling at daylight because he's trying to, you know, like we said earlier, he's trying to attract all those hens and gather up his, his flock for the day. And if you can put that in front of him, a lot of times uh, they'll commit to it, you know, quickly in the mornings off the limb like that. Yeah, I can I can agree with that theory because it seems like where, where if you're calling to them, there's no decoys and there's like no hens, but you know there's a gobbler. Like, I've had them literally stay in the tree for an hour, hour and a half, and not fly down. But they'll still sit there in the tree and gobble. Just just sit there and gobble. And then finally they'll fly down, and you're like, oh, shoot, he's on the ground. Why is he on the ground? And then you realize there was a couple of hens finally made their way down there. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't even fly down. Or he didn't even, he didn't even fly down until then. Yeah, you know, so you, you said something a second ago, Chase, and I don't, I don't want to get – uh, Locke's opinion on this. You said the theory, and it feels like the more, the more I get into turkey hunting, the more I realize it's all theory. It's all theoretical, and it seems like <clears throat> you see guys that say you can't kill them with a decoy, and then the guys kill them with a decoy, or you 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 can only you can only kill them this way, and then you find another dude killing them that way. Is is a lot of this is is a lot of that kind of case by case and maybe more a reflection of what that person's found works for their style and less so uh what just works for turkeys across the board um i, I, don't I, know, I, I apologize in advance because it kind of puts you in this in the position of telling people they're wrong i, I don't mean it in that regard i just <laughs> yeah well i don't i think that you know with turkey hunting and deer hunting and sports and anything else one of the, the challenging things about about you know talking about something in this fashion like on a podcast or whatever is just like i said with the deer um example 
inevitably, it doesn't matter what you say or I say. There's somebody that can provide an exception to every theory or every rule, right? right. I mean, you know, I, you know, an animal's never going to do this. Well, that's not true. I experienced one do that this past season. I mean, there's always somebody that can provide a situation that's an exception to the rule. I think that, um, generally speaking, to, to, to what you're talking about, it, it has more to do with your 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 area, the the, the topography, and you can't come here and hunt with me locally and have a set of experiences and expect that to happen on a piece of property in Alabama the next weekend. Um, you know, the land is different. The world the turkeys live in is different and everything about it is different. So I don't think there's a right answer. It is a theory um, because it's not always going to be to chalk. It's not always going to be, just how you experienced it the last time. And it's not going to be the same from place to place. So nobody's really right or wrong in this situation. You know, you might hunt in an area that's heavily timbered where there's not a lot of line of sight and decoys work really well because when you get a turkey in close, he finds what he's looking for and he comes to that decoy. And then you may, as opposed, you may hunt in an area where it's really open and you have a lot of pastures, a lot of open roads, a lot of everything. And you're having a lot of problems with decoys because turkeys are seeing the decoys way before they get in gun range and they're locking up. And that goes back to the concept that a turkey natural instinct is to have the hens come to him. So, you know, as a, just a kind of real basic example, if you're on one side of a field and that turkey finally commits and pops out in the field and he sees that hen over there and he just starts strutting back and forth and he's like, okay, here I am. Come on. You know, and as opposed to you're in the woods and you're on the backside of a ridge and it's kind of thick and, and it's, it's a lot of timber and he's got to come all the way to you. And when he finally gets there, he's close enough that he's going to go ahead and meander around that decoy. So, I mean, that's just one very base level type of example. Um, I think generally speaking, anybody that tries to be completely static about it across the board, that's the person that's wrong because it's not – you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to hunt in like eight or nine states a year, and it's it, it there's not a consistent theory from place to place, even from week to week in the same place. And the best turkey hunters know that. The best turkey hunters know that. You know, how do I analyze the situation I find myself in and make the most of it? That's the guy that's a killer. The guy that says, "Well, this is just how I hunt, and it works more often." Or, you know, it works every year. I end up killing a, a couple of birds every year, but, you know, they may make 10 hunts in between because what they're doing is not working, but 20% of the time. But the fact that they kill a couple turkeys every year is an acceptable success rate to them. And and, it, and it's an acceptable success rate to all of us. I'm not saying that. Sure, but, sure. Um, you know, it, it, it by all means, you know, if, if, it, if it was – if it was beyond theoretical to the point that you had it all figured out, wouldn't you kill one every time you heard one gobble? Right. You know? So that's, I don't know. That's a long-winded answer to that. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. There's not a real good answer to it. That, and I, I think all turkeys are different. I mean, like yeah. you said, you, you, you're never going to run into the same situation <laughs> every time you go out. And it, I don't know that they all have different personality. A lot of people like, oh, all deer have different personalities and this, that, and the other. Um, so like you said, there's a lot of variables that go into a turkey hunt where that could have hung that bird up or something happened, uh, that just shut the bird down. So 
I feel like turkeys are more affected on a day-to-day basis by their environment than than other animals that we hunt. I, I know that undeniably the weather has a big thing to do with deer hunting. We all know that that weather patterns put deer on their feet, but you know, or don't put deer on their feet. But for the most part, that deer is still doing a lot of the same stuff. And he does it in a lot of different weather. You know, a turkey is more susceptible to it, in my opinion. They do different things from day to day. A deer, you know, especially a big mature deer, you know, you may not have him figured out exactly, but, you know, um, he's not doing, he may do it on a day you don't expect, or he may do it on the day you do expect, but he's kind of just, he's got similar travel routes. So you got to pick the right one on the right day. He kind of does his thing. And it's a cat and mouse game of you being in the right place on the right day. But it's all kind of the same thing, if that makes any sense. It's just the day. But a turkey is not really like that. I mean, a turkey might do something completely different in one weather than he does in the other. And and it might flip-flop from day to day. They're just very unpredictable. And I think they're a lot more susceptible to changes in their environment than other animals from an hour-to-hour, day-to-day basis. And that makes it very difficult, too. There's... You know, they get their flock gets busted up and changes the way they act one day. Um, You know, wind, rain, cold, heat. You know, like I said, that might make a deer move at a different time of the day, but he's probably still kind of taking the same pattern. He's still kind of doing the same thing. He's just doing it at different times. A turkey might do something completely different than he's done for two weeks because of a windy day or because of a coyote busted up the entire flock and he doesn't know where all the hens are that he's been with for the last three days, you know, and I don't think that that's, that's as prevalent in other hunts. Okay. So that is awesome. I'm glad you made that natural segue for me because what, one of the things I wanted to touch on was, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking on a podcast and the guy asked him the question like point blank, what is the key to killing turkeys? And his answer, he sat there for a second and he said something to the effect of simply being out there. And I, essentially his concept was turkeys are so fickle, they're so, just like you said, they're so easily influenced by their environment that you just need to spend as much time as you can in the woods to find them when they're that bloodthirsty, ready to go, white in the head, hot. Do you agree? Do you think that's kind of... Um, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I don't... You know, I don't know that it's that simple. I, I still think that there are um, there's some strategies and some experiences that can play a role in what you're doing that turn the tide on any given day. Um, and there are there are guys that are really good at turkey hunting that can manipulate situations better than other people. Um, so I, I'm kind of sitting in the middle of that opinion. I, I do think that turkeys are so fickle that you can hunt the same turkey every day for an extended period of time. And then all of a sudden one day he acts totally different and he just comes screaming to a call and, and just, you know, commit suicide where, you know, he just would not do anything to the, to the similar for, for days on end. So I don't know. It, it, I think, I think you can take some of that. And then, but I think you, you are discrediting when you say that you are discrediting the strategy and the ability of a really good turkey hunter because there's a lot of guys that are really good at analyzing turkey behavior and really good at calling and setting up in different ways that tend to be able to be a lot more successful than others and 
you know, I personally take a lot of pride, you know, not in an arrogant way, but just in general, I take a lot of pride in, in being able to, to be a successful turkey hunter. And I don't really like the idea of it being relegated to just simply, well, I kill a lot of turkeys because I hunt all the time. I can say without a doubt, I know guys that kill a lot of big deer because they hunt a lot. They have good places to hunt and they spend a lot of time in the tree. And inevitably, all they got to do is just kind of play the wind right. And if they spend enough hours, the chances increase that a deer is going to walk past them. A turkey is, is so much of a different animal that I know a lot of guys that turkey on a whole lot and don't kill a lot of turkeys because they just keep doing the same thing over and over and it's not working, you know, and it's not for lack of effort. So, uh, again, I don't totally discredit that. There's some truth to that. You know, if you spend enough time figuring them out, you're going to eventually be there on the right day. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, that's one of the things that is, again, goes back to the, the, the original point that we first started this conversation off with. That's what makes turkey hunting kind of so fun. A lot, a lot in the way that people get addicted to waterfowl hunting. You know, the best waterfowl hunters can look at a piece of a, a piece of water and analyze which direction the wind's blowing. And just simply the way they set their decoys up and the way that they call makes them a better duck hunter than the next guy. And it's not that they can blow a duck call better than them. It's that they've got their decoys set up right and they're they're set up right for the wind and the ducks approach the right way and they're able to kill more ducks. You know, it's not because they hunt more. It's not because they're in a better spot. It's because they set. The, it's because they hunt better. And turkey hunting has a lot of that. And that's one of the reasons it's so addictive. I think is because you're able to test yourself. There's a, you know, I've killed a lot of deer that I feel real proud and I feel like I put in a lot of effort and I did a lot of things that defied the luck factor and really put me in the position. But I've killed a lot of nice deer just simply because I got lucky. You know, because I was in the right place at the right time, and really the only thing I did was make the effort to be there and hunt on the right wind. That's really all I did. The rest of it was up to to good fortune. And I've not killed a whole lot of turkeys like that. I have been lucky enough to get out of the truck, and a turkey gobbles a couple hundred yards away, and I walk over there and sit down, and I just happen to be right where he's going to fly down, and he comes right there gobbling, and I shoot him. But that just doesn't happen very often. Right. But the one thing that I can kind of think about with a deer is – He's not hinned up per se. He does, he's, you're working with a bird for a majority of your season has hens and he may have three, four, ten hens that he, he's with every day as well. So, I mean, it's a little bit different, but I definitely get where you're, what you're, what you're coming with for sure. As far as they're, they are definitely different. Yeah. Um, I think it's a hard point to make. Uh, whoever that was that you, that you were referring to, that's a hard point to make because there's some level of truth to that with any kind of hunting. Sure. If you spend enough time right. in the field and you just are making a just a decent effort at at whatever pursuit you're you're after, and you spend enough time, then you know fortune's going to find you at some level. And so that's kind of an that's kind of an oversimplification or, or, or um, an, an over yeah. Yeah, uh, of of there's just more points to be made in that than just simply putting it that way. That's just an, that's an oversimplified way of putting it, in my right. opinion. Right, and you may kill a bird, but you may not kill the bird. <laughs> I mean, you, there's all there's tons of gobblers out there, and it could be a bunch of jakes that come in to your calling, or it could be two year olds or a mature bird. I mean, you never know what might come into that calling. <laughs> Just because you're calling to a specific bird doesn't mean there's not three other ones coming from right. a different direction. Especially right. if you're hunting in Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is a, insane if you haven't done it. 
No, I've deer hunted there. I've never uh, turkey hunted there, but I've seen the <laughs> big flocks <laughs> deer hunting. <laughs> what inspired you to start Strutcast? Like, I don't, I don't think you ever told, told us that. Yeah, we haven't. So, you know, I guess to introduce that topic, I am the host of Strutcast and it's a, it's a podcast that I only do during turkey season. I, I just uh, dedicated just to spring turkey hunting in. What inspired me to do it is really very simple, and and it's not a huge story. I I spend a lot of time during the spring traveling around and hunting a lot of different places, and so that puts me on the road a lot. And a couple years ago, I spent a lot of time searching for turkey hunting content. I just wanted I listened to a lot of different podcasts, everything from hunting and outdoors to sports and politics, and I, I listen to podcasts a lot. I don't listen to a whole lot of music, to be honest. And it, it kind of dawned on me that I could find episodes of different outdoor podcasts that focused on turkey hunting, but there weren't a whole lot of – there were some, but there wasn't a whole lot of turkey-specific content. And that's kind of – I found myself scanning the Internet looking for – um for that and it just kind of dawned on me you know that's something i could do i you know i live and breathe this stuff and 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 there's a there's a spot out there for it and i'm not discounting or discrediting that there are some i I realize there's some i'm not saying that there's zero content but compared to sec football and deer hunting and all this kind of stuff you know compared to uh, a lot of those kind of topics where you know, you could drive all the way across the United States of America and never have a quiet moment and just listen to endless episodes from endless different people about these topics. There's not that much. You know, I found myself, you know, spending a lot of time just looking for that content. So I thought, well, I mean, I do podcasts with Louisiana Bowhunter. I'm a media producer. I do all this. Why not just do it? I just like to talk about turkey hunting. So it's really that simple. I just I, I found something <laughs> where I felt like there was a there was a space to get into and. I did it just because I, I just enjoy doing the, uh, the, the media and the content creation. And it was just another avenue, um, where I, I saw a place I, I might fit in. Nice. Yeah. I was just, I was just wondering, I was like, oh, I wonder what inspired them to, to start Strutcast. And usually that's how kind of something starts where you feel like maybe there's a void or something and you're like, well, maybe I'll do it myself. And then, uh, and then you get to speak to a lot of different people and, make connections and all kinds of stuff. That's a lot of it. I mean, I guess to, to deep dive into that just a little bit more, I think kind of really where it really started, it started as an idea where I was kind of traveling around and thought, man, I just wish there was, you know, I wish I could find a podcast and I could just binge, you know, six or seven straight episodes on this eight hour drive um, of somebody talking turkey hunting. And I, and, and it kind of started there and then where it kind of matured and, and progressed was, I don't know if you guys have done this, but, you know, I, I going from A to B and I start calling people trying to find out information like, hey, man, how's the hunting over there? I'm headed over there next week. Well, you know, what what, right. what are you hearing? You know, I, a reporting sort of thing. And I thought, well, you know, I wish I could find podcasts that were recent and talking about different areas. And then I could look those episodes up when I'm going to Texas. I find somebody talking Texas turkey and, and, and stuff that's going on during the season. And then, you know, that kind of translated that even further, not translated, but that kind of moved into this idea. Well, I've been in this industry and I do the custom call stuff and I guide turkey hunts and I do media creation for Scree and I do all this. And I know a bunch of people and I found myself making phone calls 
from a personal standpoint, I'm calling people that I know that are outfitters and call makers and, and video guys and stuff like that, because I know they've been hunting in these areas. And I'm like, well, how come I'm not just calling them and recording these conversations? Because that's good. That's the exact content I'm looking for is what I'm doing. I'm driving down the interstate and I'm calling my buddy that I knew was hunting in North Mississippi last week to find out how his hunt was and what he heard and what he experienced. Why not just record that and make a podcast out of it? Because I know a bunch of people. I'm not going to be short of conversation. So that was kind of, I guess, another <laughs> another way that that, that whole idea uh, found its way into fruition. Gotcha. What's the what's the ultimate goal for Strutcast? What do you want your listeners to to be able to do? Is it just simply be able to binge turkey content? Or are you trying to impart wisdom to them? Um, I, mostly, mostly the goal is just simply to feed that that need for people to find out um, to not only be informed but to be entertained. Um, to feed that, 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 that desire to, to take in turkey content. Um, you know, I do, I want to kind of, I, I want to kind of be a hybrid model in that regard. I want to be able to offer things and provide guests that offer things that are educational. And then I also want to be informative in, in, in regards to, you know, Hey, you know, I, I've never hunted in such and such area and I'm planning on it. So let me listen to this episode because this guest is a, an expert in, in hunting that area. Um, and then, you know, again, for the educational side of it, somebody that's trying to find out, you know, what's it like to go hunt out in South Dakota, or I'm a new hunter and I want to find out more about just basic tips and tactics. And then, then there's the whole other one, the whole other, I guess the third, um, the third part of it would just simply be the guy who's just like me that turkey hunts and, uh, eats it up and hunts as much as he can. And he's, you know, traveling around, you know, during the week. Or he is going from hunt A to hunt B, and he just wants to listen to somebody talk turkey because that's all he's got on his brain. I'm, I want to try to accomplish all three things. That's awesome, man. <laughs> it sounds like you get to scratch your own itch, build connections, and, and also educate people. I mean, it just sounds like it's just a, a perfect fit for you and your passion. Well, that's, that's, that's you know, you, you I guess you kind of summarized my thought process during uh, during the creation of strutcast or you know whatever process you want to call me developing strutcast was you know you i guess with everything you sit down and you kind of either mentally or maybe you are physically somebody who takes notes and writes things but either way when you decide to commit to doing something you kind of pro and con uh list making of sorts of why you would do this what do you stand to gain what are the the inherent challenges or pitfalls or negatives and all that. And, and that's kind of what I came to is like, why not do it? I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I, with all the other things that I do, it complements those things. It, it makes more value to uh, the marketing and advertising behind some of the stuff I do. It, it creates more content, which is, you know, kind of the name of that game. But then it's also, again, like you said, I get to talk turkey hunting on a weekly basis in between my hunts i get to network and expand my relationship with other people that are uh, of common interest and and all of those things so yeah that's that's really exactly how it how it came about is uh there weren't a whole lot of negatives um and there were a, a lot of positives in a lot of different ways that that, that were kind of apparent to me so what uh what what can people expect from strutcast for 2020 because the the season's just around the corner if you live in south Florida. yeah um so i had kind of initially 
set this week as my tentative start. Like I was going to try to put together an episode that uh, kind of followed up the big NWTF national convention, which uh, happened last weekend. I thought, well, I'll kind of, I'll kick it off with a, a follow-up to the convention, talk to some people that visited the convention and some guys that competed in Grand Nationals, and just kind of talk about, I guess, a state of the union based off of that big uh, annual kind of kickoff to the spring that happens every year. But I've been kind of, I've been kind of lackadaisical, and I've also been kind of busy, and it doesn't look like this is going to be the week. So, uh, but from an expectation standpoint, hopefully next week or at least by the end of the month. I'll, I'll kick off with the first episode and it will follow the spring that that's always kind of been the idea is I want to be entertaining, but I also want to be relevant in, in a timing sense there. I get a lot of messages from people that have revisited episodes and I share episodes and um, you know, historical content and say, Hey, you know, this was from last year and stuff like that. And that's all fine and good. But one of the things that I, I like to focus on is I want to be relevant. So, you know, I want to have on a week to week, I want to be talking about the things that are most popular, uh, like Osceola hunting and, and, and the youth seasons in the deep South, you know, when that starts in March that I want to kind of focus on what's happening, you know, um, when, when Texas kicks off, that's always a big time. A lot of people turkey out in Texas. I want to, you know, I want to cover that. So I think that's kind of what you can expect, or at least that's my, that's my goal is to, to be very relevant to, um, on any given week when you tune in, I, I want to be trying to hit the uh, the hottest topics and then just kind of revisiting the previous topics to keep up with the flow of the season and really follow the spring because it's seasonal. And, um, you know, I'm not going to try to talk turkey in August with people. I realize that's going to fall on a lot of deaf ears. <laughs> but, you know, if you're listening to our podcast in early March, you can expect to hear a lot about what's happening in in the deep South where the seasons are kicking off. And when we get into more of the middle of the seasons, I want to, you know, talk to people that are, you know, getting started in the Midwest and out West and, and, uh, you know, just kind of like that. And then, you know, I don't want to forget about the, the, the totality of the season. I want to try to, I don't want the podcast to just be simply a report where it's nothing more than just a report on what's going on from region to region, but I, I'm going to revisit those things. And, um, you know, we get in the middle of the season. I'm going to kind of look back at, hey, what's going on in Mississippi? The season's been open for a month. What's it looking like? And then looking forward to what's coming what's coming up in the, in the coming week. So it'll be a seasonal approach like that, just kind of being relevant, I guess. Right. Now, That's awesome, man. Now, with all your guests that you have on the show, do, do you find any commonalities between those guests that make them successful turkey hunters? Like, what would you – kind of categorizes what makes somebody a, a good turkey hunter or a great turkey hunter? Well, the most common thing that you find that I find with people on, you know, on the level of, of turkey hunter, that's going to be on a podcast and really that involved is an extreme passion. It's um, not me. <laughs> it, 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 it really, there's a lot of guys that somebody invites them the right time of the year and, and they enjoy it. You know, they go out and spend a weekend and, 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 and hopefully they're, they're lucky enough to get a bird and, and they like it, but they're not just ate up with it. The guys that are really successful are a absolute student of it because it's, that's, I, 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 that might be a, a little bit of an easy answer to the question, but it, it, it really is true. Turkey hunting is something that you, 
you know, you can, you can have a buddy that's got, you know, some, some good land and, and, and it's good at turkey hunting and can take you out and you can enjoy the sport. And by all means, that's a big part of it. People need to be involved on lots of levels, but the, but for the guys that you're talking about, you know, they are really, really, really ate up with it because of all the reasons we've talked about, um, turkey hunting is such a diverse thing. It is so very, very diverse. I think more than any other, or at least any other thing that I have enough knowledge to have an opinion about. Um, and and when it comes to hunting. And so I think that that's the common thread is, is people that are involved in the turkey hunting world to this level are just absolute, they're ate up with it. And they're also, I find like, this is going to be, it's going to be kind of a, uh, testy opinion, but I find most of your best turkey hunters are humble. And that's not all the time. There are a lot of people that, that hold a strong sense of entitlement and ego with the fact that they're straight up killers, right? It's something special to be able to just hammer all these gobblers. But, right. You know, in my experience, the guys that really are that good that you really don't want to turn them loose unless you want turkeys dead, those guys are humble because they respect the sport at the utmost degree. And they don't, you know, that they, they respect it to the point that they don't want to see anything happen to it. They're very, very much stewards of the sport and the conservation behind it. And they take in a lot more and they learn a lot more and they're more stewards of that knowledge than the guys that are just simply going out there and just shooting them in the face as often as they can. And that's a big thing. And, you know, I, I don't mean to cast stones in that way, but I, I, you know, that's just really my opinion. When you ask me that question is, I find some of the best turkey hunters are some of the most humble guys. Some of the guys that you probably think, man, I follow you on Facebook. You don't have any reason to be humble. You're, you know, you're a freaking killer, you know, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but then I find a, I find a, a lot of, a lot of the other side of the coin. When you deep dive down into it, it's, it's not quite what it seems on the. So I'm, I'm curious, you talk to all these professionals, you, you provide all this information, what where do you recommend new people starting? Like what's what's the the number one thing you th- you see people uh, overlooking or skipping past or not giving the time it really deserves? I think that one of the things. Okay, so let me answer this and coming at it at it in a different way. Um, it'll answer the question, but I'm coming at it at probably different angle than you than you ask it. I think what people do that is probably not the best thing to do is they worry way too much about how well they can call in terms of how it sounds. And they don't spend enough time understanding what sounds a turkey makes and why and when and how, and just any question that you want to ask yourself about that. Turkey hunting is identified with turkey calls. You know, it, I realize that a lot of turkeys get killed in a lot of different ways, but generally speaking, I think we can all agree that the sport hinges on the idea that we learn to use these calls and we go call up these birds and and that's how we kill them. And so people take a hard line approach at trying to figure out how to be the best sounding caller, at least to their ears and to their buddy's ears, they sound the best, but they don't really understand the calls that they're making and when they're making them and why they're making them. And you know, this is an old kind of cliche thing that you hear probably people say in every turkey hunting conversation you get into, but 
turkeys don't all sound like the guys on the on the calling stage you know i mean you'll hear a hen in the woods that sounds terrible you know you'll 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 inevitably if you hunt enough you'll be hunting and you'll hear a hen over there yapping and you'll swear you know you'll swear everything that you own that it's some crazy hunter that don't know how to use his call and he's just yapping 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 and the next thing you know here comes a hen walking through the woods and you're like my god you sound like a dog you know so I think that the biggest stake, mistake that, that we make is we rely on on tools and not on woodsmanship. What kills as many turkeys as anything, as many turkeys as the, the best sounding caller, as many turkeys as the best looking decoy, is just simple woodsmanship. And being able to, you know, strategically use the landscape to your advantage and be in the right situations with the way the land lays out in front of you. And because that's where the turkey lives, that's where he's at every day, all day, 24 hours a day, you know, whatever. And woodsmanship just, you know, I think too many people um, spend too much time with with this, you know, these tools. And they think that if I got a really good looking decoy and I just learned to make the perfect, you know, two note yelp that turkeys are just going to run up here like I see on TV. And I'm just going to yelp and they're going to come running up to this beautiful hundred dollar decoy and I'm going to get a shot at them. And and they get stuck in a rut where that's the only way they know how to hunt, and and they just haven't, you know, taken the woodsmanship thing to another level. So um, I don't really know how to how to define that as a certain characteristic or a certain action that people do, but just this general concept that yes, it's great. The better you sound, the better off you are. The better you know how to use the decoys, the better off you are. But you can't just rely on that. You know, the better the better of a woodsman that you are, the better that you learn um, to understand the turkeys and the and the land that they live on, and the better woodsman that you are, the better hunter you're going to be. Whether you have a perfect yelp, whether you use a friction call or a mouth call, and whether you use decoys or not. And um, you know, the other side of that coin is the harsh truth of all of the stuff that gets put in front of us in the industry that's for sale can be used to our disadvantage as much as our advantage. And basically what I mean by that is very simple. You can use decoys in the wrong way and it can prevent turkeys from coming into gun range. And you can use a call, no matter how good you sound, if you call the wrong way and you call at the wrong times or you call too much or whatever, regardless of how good it sounds, you might get a perfect score in the local uh, calling competition, but if you're not doing it right in the woods, it doesn't matter. And so I think that that's the, that's the thing is new hunters need to, go out in the woods and they need to kind of sit back and take it all in and, and, and try to, I, I challenge you, you want to be a good turkey owner, you want to learn to be a really good turkey hunter, learn like two calls, learn how to do a basic social yelp and learn how to do just a basic feeding cluck and purr kind of sound. And then when you go in the woods, don't take a decoy. You try to figure out how to get close enough to a turkey and get in the place where you think he's going to go and use only those little calls and see if you can't get him in gun rage without getting him all fired up. If you can get to where you can do that on a regular basis, you're starting to figure it out because that's, you know, I mean, that if, if I can take one mouth call and I can just make three or four soft yelps, I can cluck and purr a little bit and I know the woods and I'm, you know, slick enough to be able to, to get myself in a situation where I'm not in his line of sight. And I can figure him out and get where he wants to go. And I don't have to get him all fired up making gobble a hundred times. I don't have to flash a fan at him or put a fancy decoy out there. I don't because I'm good enough to get where he wants to be before he gets there. And I can be soft enough to just 
add enough realism to the situation to get him in front of my gun barrel, that's that's what you need to learn how to do. Because you're going to have plenty of opportunities to call to a bird that's just gobbling its head off, and that's going to be fun and exciting. But those opportunities are not going to be um, – they're going to be much more few and far between than the woodsmanship you're going to have to learn in order to be consistently successful. Man, you said a lot there to unpack, to be honest with you. <laughs> I wasn't expecting all of that, but, I mean, that's all well, I've said, I've said this, fire takes, man. I mean, that's – I've said – you know, kind of coming at your question in another in another way, I've said to people before, what makes a bad turkey hunter? Coming from the perspective of a new turkey hunter. Okay, so what makes a bad turkey hunter? Well, what makes a bad turkey hunter is somebody gives you access to a piece of property that's real good and has a lot of turkeys. And the first thing you do is go out there on opening morning, you practice with your turkey calls, you got good-looking camo, and you got a good-looking decoy, and you go out on a place, and you get out of the truck on opening morning, and there's four turkeys gobbling in every direction. And one of them's right over a food plot, and you're able to slip right up to that food plot before daylight and sit down, and that sucker just pitches right down in your lap, and you can't do anything wrong. To be honest with you, anybody could have killed him, you know? And that's one of your mm-hmm. first experiences. That makes for a terrible turkey hunter because now you've, you've created a standard that you can't live by, you know? You just can't live by that. And so, you know, again, it's not a direct answer, at least in the way that you asked the question, but, you know, it is – to me, it's prevalent because – um, I've been that guy, you know, where at, at my younger days when I was learning the turkey hunt and I didn't have a lot of resources to figure it all out, I, you know, I, I inevitably was lucky enough to kill some turkeys because I had good places to hunt and I'd go on a hunt and, you know, a, a situation like that would unfold where I would just stumble across the stupidest two-year-old and it didn't matter how good I sounded or whether I used a decoy or not. He was just fired up and he was not pressured very much and, I could sit in the road or in a food plot or on a ridge or whatever, and all I had to do was yelp to him a little bit, and I could yelp to him too much or not enough, and it didn't matter. He was coming, you know, and I killed him, and I thought, well, I got it figured out, and then I'd hunt for weeks and weeks and weeks, and that same situation, it would seem like that's what was happening, and then all of a sudden, the turkey would be 300 yards the other direction, gobbling, and I'm like, well, what, what happened? You know, and I, I, I just, you know, had to kind of figure all that out, and I, and I, and I do. I think that that's uh that's one of the challenges is is trying to that's the hardest challenge to turkey hunting is being able to decipher that right there is being able to sit down to a turkey and really quickly realize if you're in the right spot or not and uh how and that that's yeah i don't think anybody ever masters that i just think you get kind of better at it based off of experience but uh you know to answer your question i if you want to become a good turkey hunter spend a lot of time studying the turkey and not the kill not the products that, that the industry tells you makes for a turkey hunter and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you got to put the right amount of effort into having decent gear and learning to call a little bit and all that kind of stuff. But just listen to turkeys. Spend a lot of time listening, a lot of time analyzing, and kind of learning the woodsmanship around turkey hunting because I think that's what sets the foundation for a better turkey hunter. Yeah, and I think to kind of maybe add to that some is you can't be afraid to mess up. Right. You, you got to go out there and you're going to mess up. You're going to experience things. And that's all a part, like you mentioned, all a part of the learning process. <laughs> getting out there doing things. Don't get, in, don't get caught up in a pattern or a rut. Because like I said, all these birds are going to do something different, whether they're field birds or they're swamp birds. Um, they're going to react different to everything. So you're going to have to do things that they may mess a hunt up, but you may 
learn from that. And I think that'll end up making you a better turkey hunter uh, from the beginning is not being able to, uh, being afraid to, to do certain things. Yep. Yeah. And learn from it. Don't be hard headed. Right. You know, right. <laughs> learn, be willing to learn from that stuff because, you know, it's kind of like the kid in baseball that, uh, you know, I, I have a long history with the game and front um, as a player and a coach and a scout. And, you know, some of the most simplest things about baseball uh, are, you know, hit the fastball. <laughs> right, you know, you, right. you want to be a better hitter, hit fastball, teach, you know, learn to not be able to be beaten with a fastball. I mean, if you've got a good fastball pitcher. That's easier said than done. But nevertheless, don't walk back to the dugout disagreeing with the situation on a called strike three when you didn't hit the first two fastballs you got. You know, <laughs> right. You're right. So when you're a turkey hunter, don't walk yeah. away from a situation and not learn from it. Don't walk away from a situation and not learn from it. I mean, this is very simple. Like you, it, it, whether you're right or wrong, try to try to learn from it. You know, don't be afraid to make a mistake, but also be open-minded enough to try to take the time to understand that mistake and what happened and, and realize that it may not be the same the next time, but there's something to take away from it. And I, I, I think for myself personally, the number one thing is if I had to put something on like, you know, how, what do I attribute my turkey hunting career to? Like what, what, what do I, what has made me a better turkey hunter? And that's just being fortunate enough to have a lot of experiences and learning from them. You know, it's, I, I didn't, I didn't wake up one day and just figure out some magic solution to how to run a mouth call. You know, that's not what made me a better turkey hunter. Access to better property hasn't made me a better turkey hunter. You know, advancements in gear hasn't made me a better turkey hunter. The camera has made me a little bit of a better turkey hunter because I've had to kind of buckle down on how I hunted and I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't kind of cut corners and just get him dead. I'm trying to kill him in front of a camera, which forced me to be a little bit more effective in getting him in range and stuff like that. I guess I could say that. But but to your point, don't be afraid to make a mistake and be be open-minded enough to, to, to stop and understand that. Try to best you can, if that makes any sense at all. Maybe I'm not making a lot of sense, but try to make the, try to make the most out of those mistakes and learn from them and make them, you know, understand, okay, well, this is what I should have done. It's just like that baseball player. Look, okay. Yeah. That ball might have been six inches off the plate, but you know, what do I got to take away from that? Okay. Next time, if he leads me off with a fastball, I'm going to go ahead and hit it. I'm not going to leave it up to the umpire, you know? So next time when you hear that bird, and you, you realize something's going on. Okay, I got to get across that creek. I can't just sit here and yelp on this call and think I'm good enough to make him fly that creek. He might fly that creek one day, but he's probably not going to. You know, and I'm not going to cuss and stomp back to the truck hollering about this stupid bird. No, I'm damn yelps were perfect this morning. That sucker just wouldn't come across that creek. Don't do that. Learn next time if he gobbles over there on that ridge, I got to make a big ass circle. And I better have a bottle of water because I'm going to be tired when I get over there. But I'm going to be on his side. <laughs> and I'm going to hit the fastball this time. You know, I'm not going to sit back and wait, you know, just learn, just, just learning, just, it's just, just learning, learning from those mistakes. And I think perhaps tying, tying the whole conversation we had together, uh, all in, uh, take the simplest explanation for why it didn't work. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. All the way back to the first of this, this conversation, the turkey's not that smart. You should as, 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 as a, as a human, you should be able to analyze the situation and figure it out because he, 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 he's not, 
you know, that animal is not a real complicated creature. He's probably not done something that's really hard to figure out if you just take the time to, <laughs> to, to think about it, you know. So learning from your mistakes, where would you recommend, obviously, the Strutcast, but where else, what other resources would you recommend uh, somebody who's listening to this that's never, you know, earnestly pursued turkey hunting? Where should they go to to read and, and or listen or, or obtain the basic fundamentals that they need to be applying? What, where do you recommend people to go? Um, so uh, the, the Primos has some older so, – so one thing I would not recommend, and I, and I produce this stuff, so I'm not telling you not to go watch my stuff because I want you to be entertained, but don't try to learn to turkey hunt on turkey hunting videos. Not completely anyway uh, because – when you watch a turkey hunt, you're seeing a very abbreviated portion of a whole lot of decision-making, and all you're really seeing is the exciting parts. You're not really seeing right. everything that happened. Um, if you watch that uh, – I did the Facebook Live thing with Scree this evening, and it'll be posted. And if you watch that, we showed a couple of videos, and I narrated, and I kind of explained more what was going on. And I think that that's kind of a good explanation of what I'm saying there is because I'm kind of telling you a lot of stuff that you wouldn't have known otherwise. And maybe you would have taken away kind of a different – idea of what i did based off what you've seen that's not really reality because you're just seeing some of the more cinematic parts of it because i just want you to be entertained so um there's nothing wrong with that i i, I think it's a, a i love the fact that turkey hunting is 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 you know popular and, and fun to watch but you know primos made some uh some videos that were uh designed towards teaching people to call and about turkey hunting you can look that up Scott Ellis has the the mouth call magic uh, stuff that it's more focused on learning to call, but it's not, you know, it is about that, but it's also teaching you a lot about why you're doing it. It's not just about physically using the mouth call. It's also, you know, about the sounds that you're making and why you're making them and that kind of stuff. He also has an app called the Turkey Tech app and it overlays, you got, yeah. So it overlays uh, real turkey sounds with calling sounds. You can kind of, work on your calling on that way. Um, I think that uh, the book you're reading from Tom Kelly is an interesting resource. There's one that I featured on Strutcast last year by, in Louisiana. It's called The Wild Turkeys of Louisiana, I think, or Louisiana Wild Turkeys, one or two, by Mr. Jimmy Stafford, who's a retired biologist in the state of Louisiana. And his, I mean, the book is more about the history and information about the turkey in Louisiana, but it applies to everywhere. It's not so specific to this state that it's not applicable to the wild turkey in general and to kind of further that point without being able to rattle off specific resources look at the biology side of of things you know to kind of play back on that woodsmanship thing if you don't just watch hunting videos that are basically highlight reels of successful hunts you can gain something from that but i think going back to the points that we've made about uh woodsmanship and stuff like that I would encourage people to to look at biology, you know, find resources that focus on the turkey and the biology of the wild turkey and learn about the turkey. And then you'll learn more about his behavior. And and then you can kind of combine that with the hunting stuff and the calling stuff that that resources. So, you know, that's I guess that's my best answer to that. I know of a few books that I mentioned and, and a few videos and and stuff like that. But just generally, just learn about turkeys because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about turkeys. I, I really think just in the general public, people that don't really hunt them, you know, they see them and they, you know, have some ideas. 
that are kind of a collaboration of what they've experienced versus what they've experienced with tame turkeys. And a turkey is, while it is, you know, kind of a dumb animal in some ways, it's also a pretty interesting and complex animal in the way it survives in the wild. So uh, I would encourage people to learn more about from the biology perspective. Pretty solid start. Somehow the first two, three years I was deer uh, turkey hunting, I didn't even know that you were you were trying to convince the turkey to do the opposite of what was normal. So it, ob- <laughs> it obviously changed the way I turkey hunted after that to know uh, the <laughs> the biology yep. and how things were actually happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And you wouldn't get that from just, from just watching a hunting video. You wouldn't get that. I mean, when you watch a turkey hunting show and I'm not saying that people are trying to be deceptive. They're not, they're trying to show you something that's exciting and interesting and entertaining. And that's the point of hunting, um, hunting television. But when you watch a hunting show, you see the Turkey most of the time, they may have a hunt here or there where they have to kind of explain something. And you're like, Hmm, that's interesting how that happened. But most of the time, you're seeing a turkey do what the hunter wants the turkey to do. And so it's a successful and exciting hunt. And I, I'm not discrediting that there's not learning to be had there. But generally, again, going all the way back to, to the origins of all of this conversation, is the best way to be a turkey hunter is to be a steward of the turkey, not of the calling, not of the the industry and all that, but of the turkey and really understanding what the turkey is and why he does what he does and learning to be a woodsman. And, you know, you don't have to be that smart to be smarter than a turkey, but you, but regardless of how smart you are or how dumb the turkey is completely regardless of that, you got to have some woodsmanship because they live there all the time. You're only there for certain, you know, small periods of time. Uh, Locke, I've got a question for you. I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot here like I normally do with uh, previous guests, and I think you got out of this the last time uh, when we had you on just for deer hunting, but I want you to tell me the most embarrassing turkey hunting story of your of your career, like the, the one that when you lay down at bed and you close your eyes and you're thinking about turkey hunting, you just can't help but shake your head and, and think about how it went down. Mm, okay, let me think here. Well... I, so this happened to me last, this is, I don't know, this is not, I'm not coming up with a great one, but this is, this one was so what happens rough. when you kill every turkey you set out for, right? No, I didn't. So last year I had a tough year. I actually <laughs> missed a couple of turkeys and that hadn't happened very often to me. But so I don't know that this was embarrassing, but it was as frustrating as anything could ever be because, you know, anytime you work really hard for something and, and you just kind of flub it up, you know, you just that you just, it's hard to get over. So I was in Alabama and we were hunting in one of these uh, competitions where it was a charitable competition, but there was a, a prize pot for the biggest Turkey. Um, and, uh, we, we had found a bird that was strutting in a, this was in the piney, piney woods kind of thick stuff. Honestly, doesn't really look like Turkey country, but they had a lot of turkeys. And we found this bird strutting in a food plot with some hens, and it was early in the season, so he was real henned up, and we messed with that bird. We couldn't get anywhere near the food plot because he was out there, and there was like eight hens, you know. And so we sat on the top of this hill looking down a road, and basically a pine thicket. At the end of it, there was a food plot, and we could see him strutting around. And I finally decided we got to either kill the turkey or we're not going to have a turkey to enter into the contest. And I'm thinking this whole fanning thing is not going to work in the pine trees. That stuff works in the Midwest and in big open fields, but it ain't going to work here on these turkeys, right? So my first mistake was underestimating and not having confidence in, in my decision. I, I, You know, it's just kind of one of those things where subconsciously you don't do things right when you don't have faith and confidence in what you're doing. So I take my gun in my right hand and the fan in my left hand, and I start crawling down the middle of this road in a pine thicket. 
and there's a turkey down there about 90 yards from me and i had to wait till a lot of the hens kind of cleared the plot and when i got 50 yards from the plot i'm looking through the corner of the woods and the turkey's there and man this sucker when he finally saw me he like just come unglued he come bowed up strutting across the plot and coming right to me and i'm thinking i cannot believe this is working like i i'm just you know because i've been messing with this turkey for like two hours so long story short what ends up happening is he gets about 20 yards from me and i decide he's in the wide open and he can't get away from me so i'm just going to pull up and shoot him well I didn't position myself right. And when I went to drop the fan down and pick my gun up, I lost my balance from my knees. Now, it's not like I was standing up. I was on my knees. I lost my balance and fell over the top of my gun to the right and had to sit myself back up. And he was running away from me and he turned and went to fly. And I think what was more embarrassing to me, even though, you know, just my buddy was with me, but is that I took the shot anyway, and I kind of pride myself on not doing that. You know, like, I I just typically don't shoot at a turkey unless I got him dead to rights because I just, I just feel like with a shotgun and scatter shot, I just – he's not well exposed and being still. I, and, I, and I took a frustrated shot after I just flubbed the whole thing up and fell over myself like a, like a retard out there in the middle of the road. And it's just – it was embarrassing, and it was frustrating, and, and – uh, you know, it wasn't public by any means, but it did happen, and, and I carried that with me for quite a while last season. So, I don't know, it's not, it's not real funny. I'll I give you a real funny story. You want a real funny one? Absolutely. I, I, I gave this one on the – dude, this one is – I don't – this one is as crazy and weird as it is funny, and I gave it on the scree thing a while ago, but it's worth it. I was hunting in Florida, and we roosted a bird – and he was probably a mile off the road. And we went down in there way before daylight and got real close to him. And it got, I mean, as soon as it got enough daylight for him to see, his hens pitched down right in front of us. He pitched down, we killed him. Boom. Well, there's three of us. We all got a, a tag. And as this is happening, there's another turkey goblin. And this turkey's probably, as far as we can hear him, straight back into the woods. So we start that way. The sun's not even above the trees. Now, it's light, but the sun has not broken the, the, the tree line yet. So it's still that early in the morning. And we are now a mile plus, a thousand plus yards back in the woods. And we're walking. We're slipping. We're waiting on this turkey to gobble. We're trying to get set up on him. And the two guys I'm with, I'm, I got a camera, and they both have their guns, and they stop. And I'm like, oh, shit, we'd have walked up on the turkey, you know. And they're just kind of hunched down. And then all of a sudden, they both are like, what the hell? They throw their hands up. Like, what's going on? I look, and there's a dude walking, and it's a Buddhist monk. A Buddhist monk. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got on a deerskin, like, robe, you know, down to his feet. He's got ear pods in his ears and Converse All-Star tennis shoes. And I'm not kidding, y'all. The only way that this guy was in the spot he was in at this time, this is 20 minutes after shooting light is he started walking before we did, an hour plus before daylight, or he'd been out there walking around all night, one of the two, because he was nowhere near a road or anything. (laughs) And he's walking through the woods, and we're like, so they obviously, like, they were hunkered down because they thought it was a deer, and they wanted the deer to pass on by and not blow down through the woods and possibly spook the turkey we were trying to sneak up on. (laughs) And so he walks over to us, 
and he can't speak English, or he can speak, but he can't really. Like all he can say is, "I'm a monk. I'm from the temple." And he says this like 15 <laughs> times. We're like, "Dude, what are you doing out here?" And he holds his hands up like in a sign of, "Don't hurt me. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. You know, like, you know, palms out, like." <laughs> Peace, son. Like I'm, I'm a monk. I'm from. Don't yeah, shoot me. I'm a monk. I'm from the temple. And we're like, dude, we're out here hunting. We have guns. It's barely daylight. This is dangerous. You're walking around in a brown coat. And he's like, I'm a monk. I'm from the temple. And we're like, this is nuts. <laughs> and this goes on. And finally, after like the, the the literally like ten or eleven times, maybe fifteen times, he tells us he's a monk from the temple. We're like, all right, dude, whatever. And we just leave, and he just puts his ear, earbuds back in and, and starts walking, not not back towards the road. He starts walking into the forest. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like away from anything. What? <laughs> the war- Only in Florida, man. Yeah, Only so in there Florida. was a Buddhist temple. <laughs> there was a Buddhist temple in the town where we were hunting, but it was miles from where we were. And we were in the middle of a, a large public access area. It was nuts, man. So it was funny at the time. It was funnier because one of the guys that was with me, he's kind of a character. He's the he's the fun guy in the camp. He's always cracking a joke, always funny. And he's like, he turns, the first thing he does, he turns around. He's like, you better tell me you recorded that. And I'm like, I just, I'm like, dude, I, the last thing on my mind was running this camera. I was just like completely like, like, and then I hate the fact that I didn't because, I, you know, I obviously wish I would have recorded it. But anyway. It's not embarrassing, but it's kind of a crazy story for you. Oh, that that, that that counts. Uh, we'll take that one. <laughs> so before we get off of here, because I know we've we've talked for a long time, let me let me tell everybody about the giveaway because uh, I think everybody Absolutely. needs to hear that. That's an awesome opportunity. Um, if you guys don't know, uh, I work with Scree, the uh, camo gear company, and then T three calls and. My buddy Brad up at Pro Outfitters, we've put together a package, and we're giving away a three-day um, hunt out of uh, Pro Outfitters in Rulo, Nebraska. And with that hunt, you'll get a complete set of the, the Scree Turkey Bundle uh, gear package. You'll get a custom call package. It'll be a pot call and a set of mouth calls from T3. And there's no per- purchase necessary to win if you go to screegear.com slash turkey-giveaway. Or if you just go to the screegear.com website, one of the one of the sliders there on the main page, you can go to the giveaway. You can sign up. It's just a name and email address kind of sign up. And then once you sign up, there'll be a screen that pops up. If you visit the social media pages of all the partners and you go visit their pages and give them a like, you get extra drawings into the entry, uh, extra drawings and in, entries into the drawing. And um, I'm going to be there. Uh, if you're an experienced turkey hunter, then we're going to go kill turkeys together. If you're an inexperienced turkey hunter, I'll call them up so you can kill them. I don't care. We're just going to spend four days. It'll be the April. Uh, you'll arrive on April the 28th, and we'll be there through May the 1st, and we'll hunt Nebraska and Missouri. Uh, all expenses paid. Uh, your travel and your hunting license will be on you, but we'll take care of all your food, lodging, hunting. We've got over 19,000 acres and lots of turkeys, so it's a fantastic giveaway, and like I said, you'll be outfitted in, in scree gear and uh, give you a, a set of T3 custom calls and a, and a three-day hunt. So I hope people will go sign up. I'm excited to, to go take somebody turkey hunting this, this spring. Oh, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna create a link. I just uh, – I'm going to include the link, rather. I just pulled it up myself uh, so I can do so. Um, I, 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 I've been wearing the, the scree 
uh, hard scrabble pants and the Kaibab uh, 170 Merino grade top since Mouk Hunt in September. And I can't recommend those two pieces enough. I absolutely love them. So if that speaks uh, to the quality of everything else that you guys have, I mean, I just, this is an awesome yeah. opportunity for people. I hope everybody takes advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get pants, you'll get base layers, I think a hoodie, uh, uh, a Merino uh, face mask, a balaclava style gator and face mask, a cap. You know, this is a thousand dollar hunt of seven hundred so plus dollars worth of gear and about two hundred dollars worth of turkey call. So, I mean, you're looking at a, a nearly a two thousand dollar prize package. And and the the Pro Outfitters Lodge, you can look up Hunt Pro Outfitters. It's a five star lodge on the Missouri River. It is uh it 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 will be an awesome package for someone to win. And like I said, you don't have to you don't have to uh, purchase anything to get in the drawing. And Scree's not a spammer. You know that you know you'll get on the mailing list and they'll send you coupon codes and, and stuff like that but uh it's 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 really as straightforward as it sounds and i'm excited to, for someone to win it we did the same thing with whitetail and had a real successful muzzleloader hunt and gave away some stuff with that too so we're going to do it again this spring for turkey hunting and i'm going to be the guy running the hunt i'll be up there the entire week leading up to that uh, i think that hunts like a thursday friday saturday so i'll be up there from the but the previous friday all the way through uh, hunting and scouting and we'll have turkeys lined up and it'll be a, it'll be a ball. Awesome. That sounds awesome, man. I hope people take advantage of that. That sounds like a good time. And, and if it, they, if they shoot, uh, if they limit out on turkeys, do they get to come on Strutcast and tell everybody about it? Oh yeah, it? we'll definitely do an episode of Strutcast <laughs> and probably do a Facebook live episode on the screen page and we'll film the whole thing. So if you're, if you've always wanted to be, oh, man. yeah, I mean, we'll be running camera. And, and so if you've always wanted to be on a hunting show, I mean, we'll do a Scree Country film that'll be featured on, on, on all of Scree's media off of that hunt, too. So it's it, it'll be a lot of fun. And I can tell you, I mean, Brad and up there at Pro Outfitters, I, I've been turkey hunting and deer hunting with him for years. And their lodge is second to none. They've got some beautiful property. And if nothing else, you know, if the weather's not bad, if the weather's not great and the hunting's just, the hunting won't be bad. It might be average if the the weather doesn't play along, but it will be a blast. Their lodge is second to none. Their outfit is second to none. The food is great. It's five star right on the banks of the river. And I promise you, if you will have a blast. So I hope everybody will go sign up. Locke, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know you've had a, bu- a busy evening from Facebook Lives and all kinds of fun stuff that you've been doing, and we uh, we put this together with relative short notice, and I appreciate you coming on again and sharing a wealth of knowledge. I know that your your previous episode did really well, and I expect this one will be equally as uh, well-received from our listeners, so thank you for taking yeah, time. Yeah, man, well, I appreciate you having me. I'm blessed to, to be able to just, you know, talk about hunting and, and spend the time you know, on something that I love so much and share it with other people. And that's, that's how I look at it. So I, I appreciate you guys for having me on and allowing me to just, you know, spend another hour talking about something that uh, I can't seem to get enough of. So, <laughs> and, uh, check out Strutcast. It's coming, you know, go for, I can't, I, I I'm beyond promising dates, but if you'll go follow them, uh, Strutcast on, on <laughs> Facebook or Instagram, you'll see a post at some point that does actually tell you when I'm going to drop the first episode, but hopefully next week. And if, uh, um, you know, like I said, you follow along, you'll get that. And, and I'm, I'm pretty interactive too. So if, you know, if, if people out there are thriving for Turkey content, shoot me a message and tell me if there's a guest you want me to try to go get or something you want to want me to talk about, let me know. And that's all I want to do is, is offer Turkey content for people. And, and, uh, I look forward to doing it every week and I'm, you know, anytime you guys feel like it, let me know. I'll come on and talk more. I got plenty to say. 
<laughs> I, I think I think if we keep this up, at some point we're all gonna have to meet up and do a hunt together and film it or do yeah, something because uh, I think I think that'd be a good time amongst the yeah, three of us. I'd enjoy it. So, well, we'll hang on one second, guys. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. Do us two favors. One, tell somebody about the podcast. And secondly, spend every moment you can this weekend out in the great outdoors. Get ready for turkey season. Practice and blow on those turkey calls. And until next time, we'll see you later.